Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No. This is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session. Please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle because it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda because she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Parenting with a Punch show. I am your host, Amanda Hool. I have a very special guest today, Serene Stevens. As you know, if you tune in to my podcast regularly, I love to have guests on the show that are in alignment and share the same love and light in working with children and parents and helping them to foster more... Um, or better relationships with their children. So Serene Stevens is the founder of My Sweet P and Me, a small consultation business dedicated to educating parents and teachers on topics that impact children ages birth to second grade. She has been an early childhood professional since 1999, which includes teaching and managing early child care programs and coaching other educators. She currently resides in the Bronx, New York with her husband of 15 years as they together raise their three children ages 15, 12, and four. Let's give a warm welcome to Serene. Hello. Hey, how are you? How are I'm you? great. How are you? I am good. Long day, and it's 
still going and having to kick into mom mode right now. (laughs) I hear you. Absolutely. (laughs) So let's tell our viewers um, a little bit about your business and, you know, some of your background. Absolutely. Sure. So um, I, my background is in early childhood education. I have my uh, my, my undergrad was in elementary or is in elementary education. And I'm sorry, cause I hear knocking up here upstairs cause my little ones are bouncing basketballs up there. <laughs> and so my background is in early childhood education. My, um, my undergrad was in elementary education. My master's is in early childhood education. Um, and with that, I have been a, uh, assistant teacher, teacher, and then an education director, um, and then an executive director of early childhood programs here in, of course, Manhattan and the Bronx. Um, and so I did that. I've been in the field, as you mentioned, it's about to be 20 years. Um, crazy to think about. Uh, <laughs> now, um, a early childhood leadership coach. And so I do that on the side, or that's my part-time thing. And so I coach um, directors and principals and, and, you know, in the early childhood field. And then I have my Sweet Pea and Me, which is um, a small consultation business that I started about a year ago, a little over a year ago, actually. Um, And it started out as a just a social media thing where it was me doing um, weekly broadcasts to talk about some of the topics that concern parents of parents who have children that are between the ages of birth through second grade. Mm -hmm. And basically it was about my experience as a mom of that age group and my experience as a teacher and an educator with that age group. Mm -hmm. Um, Where I have expanded from doing the broadcast, I'm now doing consultations with with other childcare, you know, early childhood programs. Mm -hmm. also to do workshops based off of things that their staff need. Yeah. So um, working with parents. So parents email me and I do consultations in different ways with them about their children and whatever concerns that they're having or challenges. Cool. Yeah. So we pretty much do, you know, some of the same things. A lot of the, the parent coaching, although I, I don't know what it is, but I have, for some reason, just hate calling myself a parent coach, but the reality of it is, <laughs> I don't know if it's because like we hold our master's degree in education and, you know, a lot of the parent coaches that you see out there today, um, just get the, the parent coaching cert. I mean, you know, some of them, of course, I'm sure have the, the backgrounds in education, but yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. That's kind of just always been my... <laughs> I, I, but I, I, I hear you on that. I don't, it's interesting because I call myself, I, you know, I'm, my, my title is a leadership coach. Right. You know, coaching. And I, that's, I use that title for when I'm coaching and working with directors and educators. But with parents, I'm just like, support. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just one of those things. Yeah. So, you know, you being the specialist in the early childhood years, what would you say, or, I mean, how exactly do you feel about, you know, parents really getting that support early on in the yeah. early childhood years and like the significance of it as opposed to getting that support later on? Yeah. So my, my, I guess you want to call it my slogan or my, my, my phrase that I use a lot when dealing with parents and just um, that I think of a lot 
with my sweetie and me is the phrase pay attention early. Mm-hmm. So that's really big for me because the earlier that the parent that, that parents become aware and knowledgeable about stages of development and um, what's happening with your child, the better it is. It informs the way that you navigate and move with your children. The early years right. are so, I mean, you, you know, I'm preaching to the choir here when I'm speaking to you, but, <laughs> you know, these years shape a lot of how they think about themselves and a lot of how they navigate around with, with others. Um, and forming those relationships, that social, that those social emotional components are built very, very early. And so, you know, parents, I, you know, I can't fault parents. I, right. So, you know, you can't fault someone for what they don't know and what they right. are not aware of. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's so important. I mean, even getting information that's so vital like this at such an early age mm-hmm. will how you as a parent navigate with your child's teachers mm-hmm. and school settings. Like you, you know, if you have a clear understanding of what is developmentally appropriate for your children, right. then you will be able to have a stronger leg to stand on when, when you make certain demands at school, when you see right. certain happening, you can go like, Nope, not okay. Not accepted, right. not conducive to my child. Mm-hmm growth and development, but right. that at the beginning. Yeah, I agree. You know, it's interesting that you say that because, so when I moved back to the New England area, um, you know, the work that I was doing when I was living in Brooklyn was pushing into the private preschools um, and working with children uh, ages three to five, the, the social emotional development, they had, to de- they had to be delayed in two of the developmental domains. Okay. So of course we had the social emotional development and then some of the others were so typically the kids would get like physical therapy or um, occupational therapy or sometimes speech, but they didn't necessarily need to have a diagnosis. Right. So when I moved back here um, and then like I had a couple, you know, quote unquote contracts with um, directors of of preschools in the Brooklyn area um, as well as Manhattan. But so they knew like, you know, if a child was struggling that, that, you know, I was their go-to person that they would contact And they would, you know, basically force the parents to get that outside support while they waited for an evaluation. Because as we know through the state, it can take, I mean, especially now, I think it's, I've had, I've heard from parents that it takes anywhere from like six months to a year. It's crazy. Um, Yeah, it's, it's awful. But I mean, since I've moved out of New York, I'm hearing that it's, it's just gotten that much more difficult. But anyways, when I moved here, I keep coming across working with directors and you know, because you've been a director, um, they, they're really uncomfortable to have that conversation with the parents. So it gets to the point where the child is either getting kicked out of the program when there could have been resources that they could have, you know, enforced the parent to look into, you know, I mean, the way I look at it is as a director, and running a, a program, it's your responsibility to make sure that those children, you know, or at least you would hope that those children are getting the most support. And it just breaks my heart because, you know, I had a, I had a director um, reach out to me recently, or actually I reached out to them first, and they wanted to have me come in and she had said, you know, I think we need a third party at this point. Um, you know, we're asking, you know, what I charge and how many, and I was like, you know, well, I really need to know how many hours, et cetera. 
And then they came back with, um, you know, that they had a, a teacher that was good getting her master's degree, specializing in behavior, which is all gravy. Um, but she was in another classroom, so she wasn't going to be able to be there on a regular basis. And that she felt that the mom was just so overwhelmed because she was going through like the, the process with the state, um, to see if the child would, would, um, you know, qualify for kindergarten, but the child's four. So it's, it was just one of those things where it's like, parents are always going to be overwhelmed. I mean, parenting is not an easy job. Really is not. And it's just, it just blows my mind that, you know, that now like this director has like kind of put it to the wayside. And I had to say to her, like, look, like, you know, you, you putting this at, at, at the bottom of, you know, the totem pole and not really paying attention and, and letting these parents know that you have somebody that they could pay privately to get that child support. It's not going to be forever, but right. this is the most crucial time. And it just broke my heart that I had to have that conversation with yet another director out here that's not willing to have that hard conversation. Yeah, I, and, I, and, you know, I think and that's one of the things that when I go in and I coach educators and, and coach directors yeah. specifically, the conversations surrounding children with challenging behavior, one of the things we wind up talking about um, is why are why is there this discomfort, you know, with saying these things to the parents, right? So, you know, these children are here and, you know, at this point in time, oh, you with me, Amanda? Yeah. yeah. At, at this point in time, it is so, um, it is so, it, you're not going to have a class where you have typical developing children across the whole board in right you know like at this point what is typical de development you know what i mean right <laughs> you're going to have challenging behavior that's going to happen and so yep. the thing about it is arming the teachers and arming the directors with the appropriate um tools to be able to have these conversations what does that look like that looks right. like documenting and recording so that you have a leg to stand on to be able to say hey, here's what I'm seeing, you know? Right. And also forming those relationships with parents to right. really, you know, because, yeah, it's going to be hard for you to create, to have that conversation in September when you recognize that this child is going to, you know, need extra help or support. Because right. honestly, if you've been doing this for a while, you can see those things probably in a matter of a week. You know. Yeah, I mean, I could, you could see it, in my humble opinion, I can walk into a classroom and I can immediately tell you what the child needs support with within like a very short time frame. <laughs> I gave us a week, so not to just kind of, you Of know. course, yeah, no, of course. Absolutely, I can see right. it. So let's give it a week and then we yeah. can just be able to say, here's what I know. Right. With that said, if we can see it within a week and educators can see it within a day or in a week and things like that, after a month, there should be substantial evidence to have a conversation. That's the right. one part of it. But then yeah. there's the other part of it where um, the, the, the parents need to be able to feel like this is a partnership with the, right. with the directors of schools. And so the, the reason why I feel like sometimes directors are not confident in having that conversation is because, yes, if that's the only thing that you're going to be saying to that parent and they've been in your school for a month, I would feel apprehensive about saying it too. So right. what kind of are you forming with the parent 
to find out, you know, what are you seeing at your home? What are you, you know, tell me about your experience with your child. Because parents are, um, a, they're an integral part of their child's Right. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that directors have to understand that that relationship forming part is very is crucial. crucial. Mm-hmm. So that can be able to have the confidence to say all the other things that might be hard to have. To, to hear and say, you know? Right, right. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess it's depending on the program or, you know, I mean, do you find that it's, that it's really, that it's hard to sort of form those relationships? I mean, I think it depends on, at least through experience, I think it depends on the school. I mean, I've, for the most part, I've worked in schools, at least in New York, where, you know, they the directors were pretty heavily involved. Um, but I mean, it's just, I don't know. And then I'm, I'm just running into like a different, I don't know if it's because we're a little bit more conservative here in Boston or what, but. <laughs> yeah, it could be, you know, and like you said though, it, it, it really does. The culture of the school dictates a lot of that. Yeah. The culture of the school definitely dictates that a lot, but I, I can say, you know, as a parent that, you know, if someone has to come to me with a report about my child, I'd love to know if you can tell me more things about my child than the deficit that you're seeing. Right, right. Well, you know, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, have you, have you heard of the sandwich, the sandwich um, sort of approach? Right. Where, where, yeah. Good, and then you slide that in there, and then you and then another positive. Yeah. Because that is you. The information will be received much better if you can tell me and paint a, a much more full picture of my child, right? Every, right. Many parents believe that their children are all wonderful and all great. Right. Even <laughs> with atypical behavior developing, you right. know, still, they're still wonderful and great. They are, but it's really hard to hear that. And so, you know, I wonder sometimes if directors understand the importance of that kind of sandwich. Program. Right. Yeah. And I think it's probably, you know, who knows, maybe it's, it's something at, at, you know, out here that, that I'll be able to sort of um, implement, but um, you know, they also have to have sort of those resources as well, you know, I mean, as far as the schools go, but it is just such an investment that, you know, that I think parents need to really recognize in their early years that, you know, you might spend a couple thousand or however much money, but that is carrying you over for a lifetime. I mean, the investment you make earlier on is going to save you boatloads when they get older. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and you know, it just makes it, it helps to not feel alone, you know? Right. Yep. Someone to bounce these things off of that kind of resource is invaluable. You, you should right. definitely take advantage of it, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So hopefully everything will, you know, pan out with that, but great. Yeah, seriously. So my, um, my next question too is when, is, you know, coming down to, you know, through your own experience as a parent, um, and sort of like the dual role role of you and your, um, husband, um, how important would you say, and, you know, in helping parents really parent on the same page, um, and really, like being that role model for your children when you show them a united front. Mm, that's a good question. So, um, so my husband and I—it's interesting. We have 
found our rhythm Mm -hmm. down, you know, I feel like, and this is 15 years in, and I feel like we've gotten a rhythm and then we kind of lost it and got on it. And I think I would attribute that to the fact that as my children reach different stages in their lives, Mm -hmm. at times, either myself or my husband felt like we were more the experts on how to navigate with that situation or that Mm -hmm. stage, you know, we, we exchange words such as, you know, when I was, so my husband's background also is in early childhood education as well. Okay. Yep. Um, but more with extracurricular activities, early childhood. Okay. Mm-hmm. So he, he's, he's a, he's a personal chef, but before that he did culinary programs for children. Right. So at times when we would be dealing with certain things with my, our young children, I'd say like, I've been in the classroom and I recognize what this is very different from what you would witness. And so right. then I felt like I was more, uh, better better equipped to be able to respond to whatever mm-hmm. this was and then there were times that he'd say I'm a guy and so we have these are sons we're dealing with and so allow me to speak on this because I know what guys and this that you know right so that would actually you know this is evidence of not being on a united front and right that happen what would tend to happen is it becomes really unbalanced because we weren't hearing one another out because right. something very um beneficial to bring to the conversation that if we would have just listened to one another we would have realized right you know I can take some of what you're saying and you can take some of what I'm saying and we can fuse together and create something that um beneficial to the situation right uh, now that we're in that place we have learned to, first of all, wait to make decisions on where our child, where our children move with certain things. Right. Until we've had our own conversation where we can share our views on why we think a certain thing should be handled in a certain way. Right. And we've come to a place where even when we disagree with one another, that we agree to disagree and, you know, give each other a chance to just, implement whatever it is that we're thinking should be implemented and seeing how the chips may fall. Right. Yep. Coming back to it like, okay. And not saying like, I told you that wasn't going to work. Like we're not right. yep. going to say, all right, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and pick up from that point on. So right. it's been very important. Um, children understand when parents have different approaches and they mm-hmm. will play that yes, well really quickly like yes. really quickly yes <laughs> they you know they know to go to this parent quietly whispering their request because if the other one hears it they're gonna shut it down and so in our home it's it's a rule to be like you know did you ask mom did you ask that and usually right. the kids oh well can you just answer no we can't like See, well, there you go. You set, you set that boundary. You set that rule. Yeah. Absolutely. It's very important because they will pit you against each other and you both as parents will be standing there quarreling and they'll be on their, you know, merry way doing whatever they, whatever. Right. Of course. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, obviously, you know, the communication piece is, is a huge part. Um, and, you know, you ebb and you flow, you know, you kind of, you figure out, you know, what works and the fact that, you know, the two of you can obviously, you know, do that for each other and then recognize very quickly 
that it's not working, which really is like behavioral management 101 anyways. I mean, you, 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 you try something, right? You know, cause a lot of it is trial and error. You try something, it doesn't work. And if you're paying attention, which hopefully you should, you should be as a parent, hopefully, but we know that again, it's not that natural for parents, which we understand. Um, you, you, you figure, so you, you, you're like, okay, plan B, like what, what are we going to do next? And that's, and that's what you have. And that's where I think parents get lost. Yeah. Um, yeah. They just stay stuck in like these ways and the old school parenting and, um, and then they just end up becoming so stressed out yeah. and it's gotten to a level of like, you know, that they just don't know where, where to turn at this point. True. I mean, and, and the thing is that, you know, children are resilient. Yes. And, you know, I think that that's really important for parents to realize. One of the things that I reflect on a lot is the fact that my 15 year old, is he's 15 and right. he, of the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of my husband and our approach, he's still standing. Like my 15 year old is still here and we tried this and we looked at each other and we're like, Ooh, that didn't quite work. Let's right. Different. And we were very transparent with our son, you know, with yeah. our oldest, we're very transparent with all of our children on the levels that we believe that they can handle transparency. Of course. Yeah. Um, but we're transparent in the sense with our 15-year-old where we say to him, listen, you are our first. That means yep. that you are the one that we are trying a lot of different things out on. And so I know sometimes it feels like we're like, you know, saying no to this one minute and then going, you know what, go ahead, not too bad, try it. Right. Or say yes to something a moment and then going, you know what, we thought about it. Maybe not, or maybe not in that manner, you know? And right. at that time, oh, you guys can't make up your mind. And we're like, no, you know, it's that we're trying to, we're figuring it all out. And so it would help us if you can, one, bear with us, and two, help us to figure it out together because it's your right. life as well. So let's kind of be all very communicative about it, you know? Yeah, work together as a team because, I mean, the communication with obviously your partner and your children, I mean, that's huge. If you guys can all have that open communication because we want, especially at that age, we want our children to be able to come to us and to be able to have that, like to be able to feel safe and be able to talk about any and everything because we know that it can get really hard out there and the bullying these days. And I mean, it's just children are, are under an immense amount of pressure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, our children, I'd like to think that they are able to say, a lot of things to us that I know right. that I say as a kid to my parent, you know, and exactly, um, you know, they do, they do. And we, we give them that, that platform and that freedom because right. I have a, my goal, my thinking behind all of that is if they don't say and emote the things that they're feeling and want to say, it doesn't change the fact that the emotion and feeling is still there. And right. so, I, I, I would like to give you a platform for it because if I don't, these emotions, they have to go somewhere. You know what I mean? You're feeling, right. but they have to go somewhere. And so yeah. if I don't have a platform, I don't know then where you might, where it might go. And if it doesn't go anywhere, that means it stays bottled up and that's yes. dangerous. And so I don't want that either. So, right. you know, our children have, quite a large platform to be able to say certain things in our home. And That's great. A lot of places. In, in yeah. A, in a, 
Right. Yeah. And in a positive way and it allows you to be able to move forward and it helps them grow and, you know, gives them that, that much more independence. Um, you know, I've been, I've been noticing lately too, and, and really just like honing in on the message of teaching children and parents really like, or teaching more so parents, but teaching parents that they need to listen to their children. And we need to give them that space to be able to open up because if we don't, and we're constantly in reactionary mode and we're not, then it's going to be really, really hard from, like you said, from a very young age, because they will, they bottle it up. And when, when you're young, you don't, we don't know any better. I mean, toddler age, it sits back in the amygdala and that like, that's the, the part of the trauma and it does not get released until, you know, it, you just never know when it's going to, Absolutely. Introduce itself again, or even know like how to even navigate that or like what that situation was when you were a kid. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, let's think about, if you even think about the toddler stage, like you said it, toddlers who don't yet have the capacity to express themselves verbally and articulate, um, articulate their thoughts and feelings about things, it bottled up, which is why tantrums happen at right. Right. It's, 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 um, it's not even that it's bottled up. It's that it has to go somewhere. And so it goes right from a tantrum. And so the thing with that, you know, I, I think about it now as we're speaking, I've always given my children a platform to just express. And so for tantrums, I used to just clear the space and let you do what you do. You there you go. You scream, you do what you got to do. And then when you come down from it, we can talk and I'm going to talk at the level that you'll, you know, understand. Right. Um, but I gave you the platform to let it out because it had to go somewhere. Right. And I think, I think that's, that can get very confusing for parents too, for especially like in the young years, the toddler age. Um, yeah. I mean, I try and educate, I, I just hear often where parents are, they're, they're trying to talk too much. Like they're like, they're trying to find out like, Oh, well, why did you do that? And, and it's like, the child is like three or four. You can't, it doesn't mean that they're not smart. And yes, a lot of kids will tell you, oh, well, you know, I hit so-and-so because I was mad that he took my toy. But that right. doesn't necessarily mean that they know like the antecedent, like you, know, I, I, you just don't, you right. just don't know. So I think just a lot of parents, oh, well, did you do that? I think just like acknowledging the fact that they were upset, right? And then kind of moving past it. Because yep. I yep. think I think parents just get too much in their heads and they're trying to like overanalyze everything. Yeah, yeah. And but yeah, yeah. And like, yeah, you can say, you know, it, that that's not okay. Obviously, you know, you have that conversation after it happened. Like, you know, I acknowledge you. you it's not okay. Whatever the boundaries are, and then you just keep going, right? Right. Right. I mean, and I think that I've seen a couple of different things. I've seen that where you're trying to overanalyze it. Right. And, you know, Aaron is trying to overanalyze it. And then I've seen it where they're not trying, where they are um, totally disregarding the feeling. Right. You have and, to regard the feeling. Right, right. right. So, like, both are very, you know, it, both are very um, dangerous to do, you know, right. whether it's trying to overanalyze it, you know, for the reason that you mentioned, and yep. then just shutting down and disregarding the feeling, period, you know? Right, I agree. It's, you know, then... That then builds a lot of or destroys a lot of um, trust. Right. Yep. And the relationships, and that's where you have like the break. 
And you don't even necessarily know that that's happening. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, that's, yep. you said it. Such, such important stuff here <laughs> for all of these, all of these listeners that are tuning in and we'll have to, um, we'll definitely have to collaborate again in the, in the very near future. Thank you for tuning into Parenting with a Punch show. As always, keep asking for more. Visit my website, parentingwithapunch.com to learn all the ways that you can work with me. Have a great day. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Class is in session. Please be seated. Behaviors that get attention get repeated. Avoid the power struggle because it will get you heated. Listen to Amanda because she knows how to teach it. Yo, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Oh, this ain't parents out to lunch. No, this is parenting with the punch. Yeah, yeah, oh, oh. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.